Genesis chapter number 41, verse number one. And the Bible says, and it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine and fat flesh, and they fed in the meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-flavored, or ill-flavored, ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke, and he slept and dreamed the second time, and behold, seven ears of corn came upon one stock rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh woke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. And he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream. But there was none that could interpret them unto, unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me and ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was with us a young man, an Hebrew. Now notice this, the butler here says in Hebrew, what did Potiphar's wife say? You've brought this Hebrew in amongst us. Notice this, in a land that, that was, you know, I, he was in Egypt, no doubt Joseph was. Joseph never lost his identity. He was always identified as a Hebrew. Why, they, they could just look at him. One, the Lord's with them, but he carried himself and spoke in such a way and lived in such a way. They knew there was, he was not Egyptian. He was not like they were. There was something drastically different about him. He said, there's in Hebrew, a servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams to each man according to his dream that he interpret. And it came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. He shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream. There is none that can interpret it, and I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, In my dream, behold, I stood upon the bank of the river. Let's pray tonight to Heavenly Father. We thank you. Lord, for your goodness and your grace this, this evening, Lord, thank you for the wonderful meal that was prepared for us, Lord, thank you for the ladies, Lord, that helped get all that together, Lord, get all that, that, that situated and prepared for us, Lord, and what a blessing it is, Lord, not just to me as their pastor, Lord, but as the families of the church, God, on a Wednesday night, Lord, so many are rushing to and fro from work, just trying to get here, and Lord, thank you for the ladies taking the time out of their day, Lord, they might be able to sit down and have a meal, God, in fellowship together before the service tonight, Lord, and we just ask you tonight that you'd help us to, to glean eternal truths from the word of God tonight. Help us, Lord, not just to say it's a good sermon, it's a good message, it's a good lesson, but God, help us to deal with some things that are very personal in our life tonight. Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, I, I know what I can accomplish, God, in my own ability, and it will help nobody here tonight. But Lord, you can take a simple message, God, just by a willing vessel, and God, help each and every person here tonight. Lord, that's the power of God, and I'm grateful for that tonight. Help us in here tonight. Help those that are in the other classes tonight as well, Lord, and just speak to our hearts, God, through your word. Lord, we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Look at verse number one. It says, and it came to pass at the end of two full years. Now, how many of us tonight could agree that a lot can happen in two years? A lot can change in two years. We look back at our life, and me on a personal, there's a lot that has changed 
in two years of my life. But you look at Joseph's life, a lot hasn't changed. He's still in prison. He's still, because of what was he was accused of at Potiphar's house and all of that, he is still in prison. He's been forgot about by the butler. And even though all that's continued on, life has continued on, Joseph's life really hasn't changed. He's in that, that what we'd call that daily rut, that routine, the grind of life. The same thing day after day, and the, the, the meals might change, the scenery might change some, but it's the same thing over and over and over again. I remember working in the cabinet shop, and I said, it's really, it's the same thing. The patterns just change every day. I build the same boxes. I build the same things. Just the, the appearance of the things change here. But notice here, in two full years, much hasn't changed for Joseph in his position or his place, but Joseph hasn't changed either. He's still faithfully serving where he is and where God has placed him at. We talked about how most of us, we would be doing our best to get out of there. One, he's innocent. Two, is it's not an ideal place to be. And the same is true in my life. If that was me, for two years, I'd be trying to figure out how to get out of here. How, who do I need to call? What, what strings do I need to pull? What connections do I need to make to get out of here? And here's Joseph just faithfully serving in the prison of Pharaoh. And so a lot hasn't changed, but notice here, and oftentimes, and I, I actually sent this to Brother Ben today, uh, Psalms 27, 14, it was what I think the kids were uh, uh, reciting for the memory verse in the kids' classes. But as I was preparing this, this verse came to my mind as I was thinking about Joseph here. Psalms 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen our heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Oftentimes we look at that word courage and we think it's going to do something great and mighty. Right, the, those people that go out and they do something that nobody else does, or they, they do it on a magnitude that nobody else is doing it at, we say, look at that courage right there. Can I say, there takes just as much courage in the Christian life to go out and do that that it does to sit back and wait on, wait on the Lord. It takes courage to wait on the Lord when things don't look like they're going to change. It takes courage to wait on the Lord when the enemy's behind you like it was in the days of Moses. And you wait and you see the salvation of the Lord. And so I'd encourage you tonight, if, if you're in that position, keep waiting on the Lord. You're not a coward for waiting. You're not a, you're not a cheap Christian for waiting. If you're waiting on the Lord for direction and guidance, you're doing the greatest thing a Christian can do. Is waiting for the, the, the direction and discernment and the, uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit tonight. And that's where we find Joseph. He's just waiting on the Lord. Joseph could have very easily, because of the, the authority that's been given to him everywhere he goes, could have took those strings and, and tied them in a way that got him out of prison. But no, he's waiting on the Lord. And we'll see tonight because he's willing to wait. He's willing to to, to, to wait for God to line things up. Joseph does something that I don't think ever happened before or after in the history of Egypt. He literally goes from Pharaoh's prison to Pharaoh's palace in just a few moments. And just when it all starts and everything starts falling in place, it doesn't take long for Joseph to get from prison to the second most powerful man in Egypt. And we'll see here tonight, the same is true in the Christian life. That me and you, it, when God begins to move, it doesn't take God long to do things. It doesn't take God long to, to establish the things that, that need to be done. He'll take you from one place where you think, hey, is God ever going to do anything for me? Is God ever going to use me? And then all of a sudden, he'll just plop you right where you need to be if you'll just wait on him. If you'll just wait on him. So notice here tonight, we're going to look at this thought of going from the prison to the palace. Notice number one, the extraordinary order of events. The extraordinary order of events, we read them through verses one through 16 tonight, really verses one through 14. 
that Pharaoh has two dreams. They are similar, but they are different. Uh, there is, in one dream, there's a, there's a lack of better terms. There's a fat cow that gets ate by an Albanian cow. Right? The skinny, ill-favored cow. <laughs> so what, what are you talking about? Go to Albania and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Do not order steak in Albania because Bessie has worked. And Bessie's, Bessie's gonna be, not going to be very tender. But they, for, you know, and then it comes up and it eats the fatted calf. And then there's seven great ears of corn. And then there's seven sickly ears of corn that devour the great seven ears of corn. And Pharaoh has this dream, and notice this, there's something different about this dream because notice how it leaves Pharaoh, it leaves Pharaoh troubled. The Bible says that he wakes up in the morning uh, in verse number eight, it came to pass in the morning that his spirit, notice it never said he went back to sleep. After he's had these dreams, he's been up all night wrestling with these dreams that have troubled him. And no doubt there are different and you could borderline say they're weird, and yet there's something more to it. It's not just a, a, a weird dream because you ate too much ice cream that night. These are dreams that have been given to Pharaoh through God. We talked about that last, last week as we dealt with uh, the dreams of the butler and the baker, and how we today, as Christian and born-again believers, we don't rely on dreams, we don't rely on private interpretations, we rely on the Word of God tonight, because it's complete, and it's the true Word of God, and that's where we turn to, that's where we go for our direction and things like that, and so if we're waiting on dreams and signs in the sky, we're waiting for the wrong thing, because God has already given us His Word tonight. But so we see here that Pharaoh has these dreams from God, and they trouble him to the point where he can't go back to sleep and he can't do anything else besides figure out what do these dreams mean. And notice here tonight, in verse number eight, he wakes up and he goes and finds all the worldly wisdom that is around him. Look at verse number eight. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled and he sent and called for not just some of the magicians, but for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof and Pharaoh told him his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto, unto Pharaoh. Now we understand as we, we, we skip forward a few years into the life of Moses, we understand these magicians had some kind of power. They had some kind of, uh, of knowledge of the occult. They had some kind of knowledge into what we would call magic in that sense because they did things that emulated and copied the works of God during the plagues. And yet no amount of worldly wisdom that was around Pharaoh could solve the troubling spirit that Pharaoh had about him. The same is true today. Those of, that are out in the world today, those that, that have never come to Christ for salvation, so many of them are troubled tonight. We look at our society and you look at the problems that are constantly being, being uh, talked about in the news and constantly seeing all, all through social media, there is a trouble that people cannot figure out how to shake. They, they try everything the world tells them to do and they can't shake it. Why tonight? Because there's no answer in worldly wisdom for that trouble tonight. The only solution for that, that trouble, the only solution for that problem is Christ. And we see that here tonight in Joseph's life or in, in Pharaoh's life, he's got this dream. He turns to all these magicians and they have no answer. They have no interpretation of the dream. What's amazing here, I'm surprised that one of them didn't try to promote himself and say, well, I know exactly what these dreams mean. 
So why wouldn't they do that? Because they knew the seriousness of it, that they were wrong, they were dead. <laughs> they were wrong, Pharaoh would either have them put in prison or Pharaoh would have Potiphar cut their head off. And so we see here tonight that he has this, this trouble about him that the world can't solve. And then the butler has a recollection of verse number nine. The butler says, I, I remember. Remember, what did it say at the end of chapter number 40? The chief butler remembered, uh, but yet not did he, excuse me, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. He forgot Joseph. And then all of a sudden, there's a similar experience. The butler says, I remember, <laughs> Pharaoh, when you were mad, and you threw me into prison with the baker, we both had dreams in the same night, and we both woke up troubled. Remember, Joseph said, why do y'all look so sad today? They were both troubled with it. He said, and Joseph came and interpreted these dreams. This Hebrew came and interpreted these dreams for us, and he was right, because the baker's dead, and I'm alive. He said, there, there is one that can help you, because he knows the source of these dreams. He knows God. And so notice here tonight, how does, how does Joseph go from prison to eventually the palace in, in, in great authority in Egypt? God places him in somebody's life who is troubled. I think so many times in our life that we have this expectation that God is going to place us in people's lives that have it all together. He's going to place us in people's lives that have it all figured out. He's going to place us in people's lives that don't have any trouble, that don't have any issues. But how many of us know this morning, even saved by the grace of God, on my way to heaven, know the Bible, know the scriptures, know what, 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 who I am and why I'm that way, I still got problems. And I still, I still don't have it all figured out tonight. So I told Brother Ben on the, on the video message, I said, I said, Brother Ben, I am no expert in the things of life. I said, but just let me tell you what, what the Lord showed me as I was studying uh, for this evening. And here, notice here tonight, Joseph's promotion wasn't because necessarily he was a hard worker. Joseph's promotion wasn't because he simply knew more than everybody else. Joseph's promotion came when he was willing to help somebody that was in trouble. I think so many times in the Christian life, if we're not careful, we'll miss our opportunities because we'll say, I don't want to get involved. And I'm not talking about getting involved in sin. I'm not talking about getting involved in things like that, but we, we don't, well, I, I don't want to touch that. You got big problems. You know, what, what's that saying? Uh, not my monkeys, not my clowns, not my, something like that, not my circus. You know, I don't, I don't want to get involved in that. And yet, here we are. We have the answer, don't we? We have the solution. His name is Jesus Christ. And if we're not careful, we'll miss our opportunity because we'll say, ah, it's trouble. There's a lot of times God will put people in your life who are troubled because he knows you have the answer. Because he is the answer. I've shared that story many times. That young man, well, young man, he's my age, uh, who was sitting on the front steps, who was going through a lot. Now, this is a guy that I worked with day in and day out, and a lot of times we just picked with each other, joked with each other, and joked hard with each other. The point, you know, I glued all his stuff to his workplace. We just went back and forth, back and forth. But that day is one of those that that ain't that ain't the Willie I know. That ain't the Willie that is about to let me have it because I've messed with them. That Willie's in trouble. And he was sitting there that day and, and, and he, I, mean, I said, Willie, what's going on? He said, you really don't have time for it. I said, tell me, Willie. And he began to tell me everything 
that was going on in his life. And can I say this, 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 this evening, what we need to be keen to that tonight, that the Lord's going to place us in people's lives that have trouble, that have great needs, because we have the answer. And so if you're waiting for the multimillionaire to call you because they just want to spend time with you, it's probably not going to, you're probably not going to get that phone call. It'll probably be that coworker that you know is crazy. You know, <laughs> oh, why them, Lord? <laughs> Anybody else but them, it's because they're troubled and they need help. And we'll see here tonight that if Joseph wasn't willing to go in this troubling situation, I think the rest of his life would have played out different. But here's Joseph, he, he goes and he is called, but notice this the recollection of, of, of the butler. He has the same, he, he remembers what, what happened in his life. And he tells Pharaoh, hey, there's one. He said, Pharaoh, I couldn't help myself. Pharaoh, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what the dreams meant. But there was one who could help me. And my dream isn't, isn't the same as yours, but it's, the experience is very similar. He said, if that man could help me, he could help you. Sounds a lot like salvation tonight. Me and you did not necessarily come from the same exact background. We didn't come from the same demographic. We didn't come from the same socioeconomical situations in life. But our, and our lives might not be identical. And our, our lives might not be exactly the same. But we have a very similar experience. Somewhere along the lines, we, we realized we couldn't help ourselves. Somewhere along the lines, we realized our problem was greater than our ability. And we had to turn to somebody who could solve our problem, who could fix us, and his name is Jesus Christ. He was someone that we couldn't do it by ourselves. And so though we may not be identical in, in, in our situations, in our addresses, our stories are very similar tonight. Somewhere along the lines, we said something like this, and I got saved. And I asked the Lord to come to my heart and save me. I got born again. I confessed my sins. Jesus changed my life. We see that tonight in Joseph's, because the butler has a similar story. And they both rely on the same man named Joseph. And notice this, verse number 14. The Bible says that Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. Sent and called Joseph and brought him hastily out of the dungeon. He said, I don't have time to wait. I need to know what is going on. So many times in our life, we need to remember tonight that when we're put in those people's lives that are in a troubling situation, it is not there to drag it out. They need to know the answer and they need to know it now. And we need to make sure that we're giving the right answer to these people. So notice more, so we see the extraordinary events that take place that pulled Joseph initially out of the prison and before Pharaoh. Now I want you to notice number two about the explanation of Joseph. Joseph is retrieved. <laughs> Could you imagine... Here's the thing, they go and they grab Joseph hastily. Think about this in your mind. We think, you know, I don't know how Disney portrayed it, but we think in our mind, you know, hey, Joseph, Pharaoh needs your help. Would you please come with us? Let's, let's gingerly walk to the palace. They said hastily. Sounded like they might have just snatched him up. Said, you're coming with us. And what does Joseph do? He says, hey, hold on. If I'm going before Pharaoh... I got to change real quick. Notice his initial action. He said, the Bible says in verse uh, number 14 that they hastily out of the dungeon and all Joseph could do was shave himself and change his raiment. Joseph said, if I'm going to stand before Pharaoh, at least let me make a good impression. <laughs> at least let me, at least let me, let, let me clean. I've been in prison. Let me shave and change 
my clothes. And there's something here tonight that there's, there's a good truth here, and there's a good understanding here that when me and you go out in the world, yes, how we present ourselves is very important. How we live our life is very important. The, the way we carry ourselves is very important, but it's not everything, right? Because it was not Joseph who was going to solve Pharaoh's problem. It was God through Joseph that was going to solve Pharaoh's problem or not. And so the real dependence isn't on me and you always looking the best. Now, I, I, I personally believe that if you're going out for different things and doing whatnot, you ought to put your best foot forward. Right, dress the, the best that you can, carry yourself the best way you can, but realize tonight that the power isn't because my, my suit is nice and, and my, my tie is tied correctly and, and my hair is brushed to the right side. It's not all about that tonight. Right? But at the same time, we have to realize that, that we ought to put our best foot forward, but then realize that we're actually depending on the Lord. We see that in Joseph. So he, he shaves and he changes his clothes, but his nice haircut and his nice clothes didn't help Pharaoh. Pharaoh didn't say, oh man, you look nice, everything's better. Right, he shows up and he's still got a terrible dream that is troubling him. Pharaoh didn't didn't need a nice shirt and a nice shave. Pharaoh needed help from the sovereign. He needed help from God. And that's what Joseph was going to bring. And notice here, so the immediate response, he cleans up. And then notice verse number 15. Pharaoh says unto Joseph, I've dreamed a dream and there's none that can interpret it. Look at verse number 16. And Joseph answers Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. He said, it's not in me, Pharaoh. It's in God. God has the answer for you. So notice here we see the immediate response and the explanation of the dream. And Pharaoh, Joseph looks at Pharaoh and he says, here's what your dream means. He said that you'll have seven years of plenty, of prosperity, and then seven years of famine. And here's the thing. If you step back and you look at that dream, you're like, well, that makes a lot of sense, right? How did he not see that? Seven big cows get ate by seven thin cows. Seven good ears of corn get ate by seven sickly ears of corn. Obviously, we, we can see the typology there tonight. And you think, well, man, Joseph, Joseph's figured it out, but really it's God giving it to him. And here's the thing. Those that understand that the scriptures and those that understand the truths of God's word, sometimes we sit back and say, why don't they just get it? Why don't they get that? Why, why can't they just get that through their thick skull? Right? You ever been trying to help somebody and it's just like you get more aggravated than what you even thought you could ever get? Trying to help somebody? Can I say there's going to come a point in their life where they're, they're going to have to drop human reasoning and pick up faith. And say, this is what the Word of God says. And I believe God's Word is true. And we understand that the natural man understandeth not the things of God. But at the same time, when it clicks, they're like, oh, I get it now. And you're thinking, that's what I've been trying to tell you for five years now. <laughs> that your life can really change. God can really do something great for you. But we see here the explanation of Joseph. He explains the dream that there's a famine coming and that during these seven years of prosperity, they need to save up. But notice here, verses 33 through 37 tonight, not only does Joseph explain the dream, but now he gives some instructions. Here's what you need to do, Pharaoh. And I just imagine it's, only God could do something like this. There's all the wise men in, e in Egypt, and they're all just standing there like, we have no idea. And here comes this man fresh out of prison, right? And he's, now he's standing before more than likely the most powerful man in the world at that time, saying, here's what you need to do, right? 
And you think about it, in today's, today's times, we would say, yeah, we probably wouldn't listen to that man straight out of prison. There's probably something wrong with him, but here he is. Joseph, remember, Joseph's not in prison because he's criminal. Joseph's in prison because that's where God has placed him. And we see here tonight that, that Joseph not only explains what's going to take place, but then he gives some instructions. He said, appoint a man who is discreet and wise in verse number 33. He says, now, therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. That word discreet means a man of understanding, a man of discernment, a man who can look and say, here's what we need to do and here's why we need to do it. But not only a discreet man, but a man who is wise, a man who is skillful and applies understanding. Here's the thing, you can have a, a head full of knowledge, but you, if you have no idea how to apply it, what good is it? You know, there's a lot of things that you can know in a book sense, but if you can't put it into practical use, what good is it tonight? The same is true with the word of God. Hey, it's great to memorize this thing. It's great to study this thing. It's great to read this thing and to meditate on it tonight. But if there is no application of the word of God tonight, what good is it? What good is it tonight if me and you say, all right, that's great, that's wonderful. Yes, God, that sounds good, but I ain't gonna do it. <laughs> You're not wise if that's your way of thinking tonight. But notice this, he said, you need to appoint a man who's discreet and wise. Verse 34 and 35, he said, you need to put a collection plan in that action. He said, during those good years, you take a fifth of the land and you store that corn and that, that, that food up out of the fifth part of the land. Then he said, you prepare for the lack of the famine. In verse number 36, you store all that up. That way, when the famine comes, you can go and you can sell this corn back to those who are without. And notice here tonight, wisdom is tied, and I put it this way, even though there's no money being exchanged here, wisdom is tied to fiscal responsibility. A wise man is a good steward of what God has given him. A lot of times we think that the person who has great faith is a person who, who just, uh, in a sense, without any prayer, without any thought behind it, just says, all right, here's what we're gonna do, here's what's gonna cost, and this is how we're gonna do it. Imagine if I came to you every other week as a church, and I said, all right, this week, y'all, this week, we're going we're to build a gymnasium. And we're going to build it. And we're going to build it for the glory of God. Oh, preacher, that's great. That's great. That's wonderful. It's going to cost us $1.3 million. God's going to provide every penny of it. Then I came to you the next week. I said, not only are we going to build a gymnasium, but we're also going to build, I'm trying to think what else you can build, a new sanctuary. And it's going to cost us $4.5 million. And then I come to the next week. And I said, right, here's what we're going to do. I've already signed the paperwork. The money's already been loaned to us. We're going to put in a brand new parking lot. It's going to cost $800,000. But don't worry, I've already gone to the bank. Everything's been approved. God's going to provide everything. How many of y'all be scared to death of that? How many of you be glad? I'm glad, preacher, I didn't sign the papers. <laughs> they ain't going to come looking for me. But here's the thing tonight. There's, a, there's this idea that if you're living by faith, then you don't have to be responsible with the money that God has given you. Now, I don't think you ought to be tight-fisted in the sense that you have no compassion. But it does take spiritual discernment. And you notice, as you look through the Old Testament, a lot of these men that were considered wise were men who weren't just wise because of what they said, but they were wise because of what they did. And I think in that, the modern-day Christian life that one of the things we need to be responsible with is that, that which God has given us. Whether it be a house, whether it be a car, whether it be the money that's in our wallet, wisdom is tied to being responsible with these things. And so we see tonight that Joseph is considered a wise man 
Not because he can just say what the dream is about, but he also comes up with a plan, or a plan is given on how to deal with this in the right way. And so then we see the acceptance of Pharaoh. Verse number 37, Joseph has said, hey, here's what's going to happen. Here's how we can resolve it. Here's how we can fix it. Here's how we can deal with it responsibly. And then verse number 37, he said, the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And then verse number 38, he, he, he gives the question, you know, can I find a man? We'll get to the next point. But in essence, Joseph didn't say, all right, Pharaoh, here's what you're going to do. He said, Pharaoh, here is what's going to happen. Here's how you can avoid it. Now the choice is yours. In essence tonight, Joseph was giving Pharaoh God's plan. This is what God has said he's going to do. Notice verse 25 and verse 32, Joseph twice tells Pharaoh that this isn't his idea. Look at verse 25. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one God hath showed Pharaoh what he's about to do. Then look at verse number 32. And for that, the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God. And God will shortly bring it to pass. This wasn't Joseph's idea. Joseph wasn't the Dave Ramsey of Genesis. And Joseph said, here's what God's going to do. And here's God's fixing to do it. Here's how you need to deal with it. And as I was studying this, I was thinking also about when it comes to sharing the gospel. Whose plan are we sharing? Is it our plan? Or is it God's plan? God's plan. Right? So many times when we go to share the gospel with someone, we go to witness to somebody, how many are afraid of saying the wrong thing? First of all, if I say the wrong thing, I'm going to offend them. If I stumble over my words, then they're not going to get saved. Can I say it's not about mine, mine and your ability tonight? If it was, if it was ability-based, I wouldn't be here tonight. Right? I am not the most poetic, uh, fluent, uh, <laughs> great speaker there is. There's people who can do that far better than I could ever dream of doing. But notice this, God did choose the foolishness of preaching. God didn't say, I need the best at, at who can do it. I just want to need somebody who is available. The same comes when it comes to sharing the gospel. God doesn't expect me to you to have everything perfectly said because we're not, we're, not, we're not pitching sales to somebody. Right? We're presenting the gospel to them, which is God's plan. And we know that God's fixing to do some things. The Bible tells us that there's a rapture coming. The Bible tells us that there's a judgment coming. So God's fixing to do these things. And so what we do is, in essence, we tell people God's plan, how they can avoid it or how they can accept it, and how they can be a part of God's plan, and then the choice is theirs. Right? So when it comes to sharing the gospel, the greatest thing you can learn to do is share the scriptures with them. Take them to the word of God because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's not because you can make tears come out your eyes at just exactly the right time. You can hold their hand exactly in the right way. It's when you begin to tell them, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And the Holy Spirit will take his word and begin to work in their heart. And God will show them, hey, my plan's real. It's fixing to happen. And here's how you can accept it. The same is true in our life tonight. So we need to make sure when we're sharing, that we're relying on his words and not our ability tonight because this thing is God's plan. So we see the explanation of Joseph. We see the extraordinary events. And then we see the exalting of Joseph. We see the exalting of Joseph. There's some verses in my Bible, when I read them, I just chuckle because it reminds me of how much people are like people. Look at verse number 38. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such as one as this, a man whom the spirit of God is? <laughs> Let's, let's remind ourselves, he's got all his wise men who couldn't do anything. And here's one man who said, hey, this thing's from God. 
Here's what God's going to do. And Pharaoh said, can we find somebody? Is there anybody who knows God? Is there anybody who, who, who has a relationship with God that the Lord is with? Is there anybody? <laughs> Ask it broadly like he's going to find somebody else. <laughs> Finally, look what he says in verse number 39. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. <laughs> Pharaoh said, I, I'm, I'm not even going to keep looking. Ain't no point. There ain't but one Hebrew in here. There ain't but one who knows the Lord. It has to be you, Joseph. So we see the inspection of, of Pharaoh. He has an open call that ends with a direct response. And notice this, he was, <laughs> Joseph was quickly qualified. Why? Because everybody else was disqualified. Nobody else knew the Lord. <laughs> it's kind of easy that way. When nobody else knows, yeah, just go with the one who does. So we see the inspection of Pharaoh. But notice this, the installment of Joseph. He not only does he say, all right, Joseph, there's no one discreet as wise as you, but Joseph, I am picking you to be that man. And here's the thing, Joseph better know God. He said, here's what God's fixing to do. And now Joseph's going to be the man that God does it through. And so we see tonight he has given new authority. Look at verse number 41. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, see, I've set thee over all the land of Egypt. That small, simple phrase right there has just removed Joseph in, from the prison and now he's second in charge, excuse me, of all of Egypt tonight. But we've watched his authority grow from the beginning. What started out as simply watching over his brothers at his father's house and following that simple command from his father now has led to him being, rightfully so, the, most second, the second most powerful man in all the world at this time in the book of Genesis. So he's given new authority. He's given new apparel. Good thing he shaved and changed his clothes, right? Now Pharaoh said, no, I'm going to give you some new things. What did he give me? He gave him a ring. It's a sign of authority. Stand in those days when they would write those letters and they would, they would do those official documents that, that, that dignitary would take that ring, put it in the wax and seal it as a way of saying, hey, I did this. Now he has authority. Now he's also got a new outfit, a sign of ascension. What, what kind of clothes? He gave him the best of Egypt, Egypt had to offer. He's gone from prison clothes to some fresh clothes that he had sitting somewhere and now he's wearing the linens, the finest linens in all of Egypt. Then he's got a new necklace, the sign of opulence. No need for it. There's no, there's no specific need. It just says, hey, that man's, got, that man's got means right there. That man's got money, so to speak. That man is someone who's important, just like it is when me and you, when we go down and we see somebody who's wearing a, a big necklace or lots of jewelry, I think, man, they got some money somewhere that they're willing to buy those things. So now he's got this new apparel. He's even got a new vehicle. Look at verse number 43. He got a chariot. Had to be a Chevy. <laughs> And he made him ride in the second chariot, which he had. How do you know it's a Chevy? Because if it was a Ford, it had been a Mustang. Uh, he made them ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. Here's a man just a few minutes ago who was in prison. Had nothing in the sense that, uh, of things like that. And now he's got a ring, he's got new clothes, he's got a necklace, and now he's got a chariot that carries great authority with it. And when Joseph shows up, they, they are expected to bow down. I wonder how that made Potiphar's wife feel. <laughs> There's that Hebrew. She can't do that no more. She's got to bow down to him. And so we see her tonight that he's given a new vehicle. And now those who once were over him, even Potiphar himself, falls under Joseph in the hierarchy of Egypt. And now they're under him. Verse 45, he's even given a new family. Pharaoh gives him a wife, by which he has two children, Manasseh 
and then there's another one in there, uh, I can't think of it, Ephraim, Manasseh and Ephraim, verses 51 and 52, God gives them a new family, a wife, and eventually sons. Now, before I go any further tonight, and I'm just about done, at this point, this is where discernment is crucial. Because this is a lot like the dream Joseph got when he was a young boy. He's in his 30s now. I think the Bible tells us uh, eventually somewhere in this chapter, yeah, verse 46, and Joseph was 30 years old when he becomes the second most powerful man in Egypt. Now, this is a lot like the dream that he got back at daddy's house. There's people bowing down to him. He's got great authority. There's only one really that's above him and it's Pharaoh. But truth be told, he's got more power than Pharaoh because he controls the corn. He controls the livelihood of Egypt. He could have very easily said, this is it. This is my dream. I'm living my dream. It's where discernment is crucial in the Christian life because had he done this, he would have sold out a good thing for the best thing. This wasn't Joseph's dream because who was supposed to bow down? It wasn't Egypt. It was his brethren. His brethren aren't here yet. Now we'll get into that and, and, and I believe next week sometime we'll get into that. And so it wasn't, truthfully, it's not a bad gig. Right, he's got means, he's got chariots, he's got all this now, but it wasn't what God had promised him. I think so many times in the Christian life, that's why it takes courage to wait. That's why it takes courage to wait on the Lord because so many times good things will come into our life and we're not careful, we'll, we'll select the good thing and miss out on the best thing. One of the greatest statements I've ever heard as a, as a growing Christian was that sometimes the Christian life isn't discerning between right and wrong. Sometimes it's between, discerning between the best and second best. And here tonight, I want the best. I want all that God has for me. I don't want to just settle for a good thing when God has something better for me. That's why discernment is crucial. It's a good thing, but it was not the dream that God had given him. Then we see the faithfulness of Joseph, 49 through 57. He works God's plan. He, he does what he said God told him to do, and they prepare, and they get all that together. And then verse number 57, all the countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn because that the famine was so sore in all lands. So we'll see tonight, because Joseph continues to work God's plan, even when he could have easily settled for something that wasn't necessarily bad. In essence, Joseph would have retired good. He could have lived a, a happy life with much means and much power. He's got a wife. He's got two kids. I mean, in essence, he's got the American dream, right? But he didn't have God's dream. And yet, because he was willing to continue to work and trust God and do what God had said to do, as he continues to do so, God continues to lead him to that dream that God had given him to coming true in chapters 42 and later on in Joseph's life. So remember that it takes courage to wait. It takes courage to wait. Preacher, when do you want me to do what God wants me to do exactly when he wants you to do it? A lot of times we, we take the same mentality that we take in the business world, that the early bird gets the worm. I remember hearing a story about a man who was just dead set that he was going to do something for God. He's going to do something for God. Didn't know what it was, but he was going to do it. So he opened his Bible and said, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. He opened up his Bible and it said, go south. So he went south and didn't find nothing. 
He said, all right, I'm going to do something else. And the Bible said, go north. So he went north. And then he opened it up again. And finally it said, go hang myself quickly. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. Right? So many times in our Christian life, we're, there's nothing wrong with being excited. If we desire to do the work of God, I think we desire a good thing. And ultimately, here's the thing. We take, say, right, it's going to take a lot of courage to get out there and do that great big thing. Can I say it takes courage to serve where you are now? Serve where you are now. And that's what we see in Joseph's life. He just served where he was, and he waited for God to move him. Are we willing to still trust God even when our situations begin to turn around and things begin to pick up and things begin to look good and things begin to change in our favor, so to speak? We can easily say, all right, this is good. I'm going to hang out right here. Or we're going to still do God's plan for our life. Let's pray tonight.